Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, where we share biblical truths that'll give you real hope. What is real hope? It's a hope that is relevant, energizing, authentic, and linked to Jesus. Hi guys, welcome to part three of our series on Psalm 23. Today we're going to be looking at verse 2. I just want to read verse 1 and 2 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We're going to concentrate today just on that phrase. He leads me beside still waters and look at what that actually means for us. Firstly, I'd like to say, that using the analogy of the shepherd provided to us in Psalm 23, we see that he leads us beside still waters. The shepherd doesn't lead his flock to the turbulent rapids. Why? Because that's not where we, as the flock of God, find rest. He leads us to quiet waters. Providing rest for his people is actually part of God's plan for us. You see, it's easy to become weary in coping with the variety of tests and challenges that we all face in life. But rest not only helps us to recover from them, it also gives us the stamina we need to be prepared for them. In actual fact, if you look at this verse in the context of Psalm 23, you see that the green pastures and the still waters come before the valley of the shadow of death. It comes before the enemies that lie on the other side of that valley. You see, when we spend time with God in the green pastures and beside the still waters, He gives us the strength and endurance and stamina that we need to get through those tests to the other side. Now, You might say to me, yeah, but Brett, you don't understand what I'm going through. I don't have time to rest. But I'm sorry, my friend, that is simply not the truth. It would be like a marathon runner saying, I'm too busy running to drink water. Well, you run like that and you're eventually going to collapse and fall out of the race. The runner understands that proper hydration is a critical part of his strategy to run the best possible race. And the truth for us as believers is that the busier we are and the more stress that we're under, the more important it is to draw aside and find that place of divine rest in God. And in Psalm 91, we find out why. In verse 1 it reads, Whoever dwells in the shelter another version says, the secret place of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And what follows these opening verses in Psalm 91 is a story of God's faithful protection, provision, and blessing. And I'd encourage you to go and read the whole psalm for yourself. 
So we're talking about a different kind of rest. I realize that there are many dynamics to physical rest, like sleep, healthy eating, proper hydration, quality time with family, and so on. But this is not what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm talking about the God kind of rest. You can only enter the God kind of rest by faith. However, you can sleep 10 hours a night on the most comfortable bed and never find peace. You can own many houses, drive fancy cars and still have no peace. You can go to the spa, go to the hairdresser, get your facial, your pedicure and leave with the same turmoil that you went in with. Now there's nothing wrong with those things. My point is there are no substitute for the kind of rest that we find through faith in God. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 talks about this. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now, it's not talking about we should be afraid. It's talking about fear as in the context of the fear of God. In other words, let us have a reverent respect for God and an earnestness as we look to God that we don't miss out on what He has for us. It goes on to say, For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. And it's talking about the Israelites as they uh, left Egypt on their journey to the promised land. And it goes on to say, But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. So here we see it, spelled out for us in black and white, that the acts of faith is what causes us to enter the rest of God. So to help us to understand it, I thought, let me speak about a couple of things that simply do not help us to enter into the rest of God. So entering into the rest of God is not doing nothing. It's not chilling out on the couch, watching Netflix, sleeping. It's not reading a novel. It's not spending ages trawling through Instagram and Facebook. It's not going fishing, surfing, golfing, or whatever else your escape is. So what is it? Well, biblically, entering into God's rest starts with turning to God. It starts with resisting the temptation to try and figure out life by ourselves and do it all by ourselves. It starts with having a heart that's yielded to God and calling on the name of the Lord, reaching out to God. And it continues with then setting aside time in prayer, setting our hearts on seeking God 
waiting on God with the goal to hear from God. You see, the place of rest, as we heard in Hebrews 4, starts with a faith response to the Word of God. And guys, this is the key to the whole message. What causes us to enter into the rest of God is our faith response to the Word of God, taking our faith and mixing it with obedience and obeying God. As we read in Psalm 23, God leads us beside still waters. And that phrase, God leads us, I believe gives us some important insights because everything God does is intentional for a reason. Everything it does is a part of His master plan and is designed to redeem us, restore us, and set us up for success. In fact, entering into God's rest for your life will empower you to live your best life. Well, what happens to those who ignore the rest of God and just run, 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 go, 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 maybe even doing the best they can, but ignoring the rest that God has planned for them? Well, they run the risk, and we run the risk if we do this, of becoming worn out, burnt out, frustrated, frazzled, not finishing the race God has called you to, or even being sidetracked, led astray by the enemy, being unfruitful, and perhaps even being neutralized in your faith by the temptation of sin. So as you can see, we can't afford to ignore the rest of God because it's in that place of divine rest that we find strength, that we find our focus, that we get the endurance and stamina that we need to run a good race. So as we read in that verse, God leads us to the still waters. And that speaks about intent. You see, rest can't be an accident. It has to be intentional. It must be habitual and it has to be an act of faith. The person who learns and practices this spiritual discipline will have the stamina to stay the course. According to Mark chapter 4 and verse 20, they will produce a harvest 30, 60 or 100 times what was sown. I don't know about you, but I want to be that man. I want to be that person. According to Scripture, this person is able to withstand the tests and trials of life. They finish their race strong. Here's a good one. They leave behind the legacy of a multi-generational faith. Amen. They hear Jesus say to them, Well done, good and faithful servants. And they receive the crown of life. 
Now the many examples of men and women of faith throughout the Bible who have given us an example of how to enter the rest of God. But as I was weighing it up, the person who came to mind, and I'd like to end with a story, is Daniel. He gives us a great example of someone who understood the value of this principle of entering God's rest. He gives us a great example of someone who was intentional and practiced the habits of entering into God's rest as a part of his daily life. And you can actually go ahead and read this whole story in the book of Daniel chapter 6, but I'm just going to read a few verses for you for the sake of time and fill in the blanks. But basically, Daniel was doing well in the political sphere and in Babylon, and he had a lot of power. He had a lot of influence that was given to him by the king. He had a lot of responsibility. But the problem for Daniel was there were those around him who were very jealous of him, and they wanted to undermine him, and they wanted to take from Daniel the trust that the king had bestowed in him. And we pick up in, the, in chapter 6 of the book of Daniel, and it says, these guys who had been, sorry, let me give a backstory and explain before I read this verse. <laughs> so as these guys conspired against him, they went to the king to form a trap for Daniel. And they appealed to the king's ego. And he was a king who obviously didn't follow God. And they said to the king, for the next 30 days, if anyone prays to anyone else but you, king, issue a decree that they be thrown into a den of lions. So the king, this appeals to his ego, and he thinks, well, what could go wrong? This seems like a good thing. And he issues this decree. And what follows now is Daniel's response. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So here we, give, we get some insight into the way Daniel practices finding his rest in God by faith and he has a habitual pattern of setting time aside to pray and to seek God. And of course, these men who've been conspiring against David know that he's going to do this. They are delighted. They burst in and they find him in the act of praying to God. So they uh, go straight to the king and they say to the king, this is the decree. The decree is irrevocable. And this is what Daniel has done. So they basically leave the king no choice. And the king is utterly distraught because actually the king really liked Daniel. But he has no choice and it, it reads that the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. But here's what the king says to Daniel. 
Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. And then he goes and he has a distraught night and scripture tells us that he hardly slept and he didn't eat and he had no entertainment that night. All he could do was think about Daniel and what would become of him. And the next morning he goes and even as he approaches the rock blocking the den, he calls out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answers, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. So the Lord rescues Daniel and his life becomes an even more powerful testimony of the power of God, the goodness of God, and the faithfulness of God. And friends, I'm going to end on, end on this note with this exhortation, that if we follow in Daniel's example, and we set time aside regularly, frequently, diligently, and earnestly to pray and to seek God, to call on His name, until we hear from Him and we live in that kind of place that God will take us through the lion's dens of our lives. He will take us through the tests and trials. He will take us through the valley of the shadow of death. And despite the obstacles, despite the difficulties, God will cause our life to be an example of His goodness, an example of His faithfulness. That He will give you and I the strength and the stamina that we need to walk a life that is a living testimony to Him. Not only to walk, but to run the race of endurance that He's called us to. And to finish the race of this life strong. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life that I want to live. There's a secret for us that is imparted to us in this principle of rest that we read about in Psalm 23. When God calls us to that place of the still waters, it's not an optional extra in our Christian faith. Actually, it's a key for us to find. It's a key for us to live by, to hold dear to our hearts, because there is nothing more important in our lives than hearing the voice of God. And it's in that place of the green pastures and by the still waters that we hear Him speaking to our hearts teaching us, leading us, guiding us, and giving us the wise counsel of God that we need to live successful as believers. God bless you, my friends, and I trust that you are encouraged and uplifted and built up 
and determined now more than ever to enter into the rest of God by faith. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that the message of God's Word will build your faith and develop a hope that is so strong it's like an anchor for your soul. Go ahead and subscribe and why not share the message with a friend?